everybody, and welcome to What's Up With That Bro. It's the podcast where we're watching the TV show Lost in reverse order from the uh, last episode of the first episode, or as we like to say here, we have to go backwards with one of our hosts, Chad Wago, and he's never seen Lost before. That is correct. David K. Jones, I've never seen it before. Uh, however, I do like to watch Lost with one of our other co-hosts. Uh, please welcome AJ Nieves. Ow! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Um, this week, we're actually considering Lost Season 2, Episode 16, entitled The Whole Truth. Um, just a general synopsis of the tonight's episode. Sun wrestles with the thought of telling Jin a newfound secret that threatens to upset the entire balance of the survivors' community. So a short and sweet summary gets us right in there into the episode. The Whole Truth. I don't know if I if I agree with that summary. Like, like the, why why would it upset the balance that she's pregnant? <laughs> yeah. yeah, is that going to change things? Seems like everybody was kind of on board with the uh, with the with the development of yeah. a. Well, it's because they have one baby already. Yeah, they don't need a second one. <laughs> they weren't planning on that. They don't have enough baby food. Yeah, uh, you know, Aaron. Aaron, it's there. There should have been an episode dedicated to Aaron where he's like, "I'm the baby," and then there's just that's the whole <laughs> premise of the episode. <laughs> Just him coming to terms that he's no longer the baby on the yeah. island. No, he would have uh, quite a bit of time to come to terms with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he just goes, well, you're not the baby anymore, Aaron. You're you're just some supernatural yeah. character that we kind of left dangling. Yeah, it's time to, to for you to start pulling your own weight. <laughs> Get a job, baby. It's like, listen, baby, I'm going to be honest with you. There are no oysters in this pantry. We need you to bring more oysters into this grouping. <laughs> That's your job, baby. Yeah. Go no, and get those oysters. There's no oysters over there where Bernard is because he's dumb and doesn't know where to look for oysters. <laughs> you got to look where the water's dirty. Ah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. It's amazing. So this week we're getting a, we're getting a Jin and Sun episode. Yay, um, Korean episode. Yeah. yeah. This is one of your favorite types, right? That comes through on, on, the, on the show? Yeah, because I like Jin and Sun, unlike a lot of other people <laughs> on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we get some peripheral story from some of the other people, but we do get a Jin and Sun centric episode, which is, um, which is always fun. Um, there's a lot for us to dive into. Yeah, and it starts off with uh, sexy Jin and Sun. Yeah, Jin's sitting uh, shirtless on the bed. I feel like if I had used that picture for his last ladness, he might have gone further. <laughs> he might have at least beat the dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, people would have been like, wait a minute. I like this this regular shirted gin, but if you give me a shirt less gin, yeah. like that, that just bumps up his his lost less clothes, factor. more votes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are pretty much turning you into an object, Mister Jin Sukwan. <laughs> You're an object, Jin. <laughs> so one of the other things that uh, this episode also introduces us to. Uh, we had already seen the uh, son's English tutor, yeah. but this episode kind of framed it a little bit more uh, so that we know that, like, why she's doing it, I guess, mm. uh, why she would want to run away to America. Because I feel like the last time it was just like, that was a thing that they wanted to do together. Right. Yeah. Like they're running away together. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess the in the interim between that episode and the and I guess the the Jin Sun episode that comes after this, yeah, there's there's just they just kind of yachted it and they just are like, yeah, now now you guys want to be together, and she's not just trying to disappear from her life. Yeah. Well, I think she's she's decided she's gonna run away from her husband. She's got this other man that she's having a relationship with. So 
She probably dove deeper into that in the intervening however long it was. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I feel like um, this is this is actually, a, it feels like a satisfying arc to watch for me. Because, like, I'm um, watching the arc of these two people. And when, um, like, learning what we learned tonight, when this married couple gets to the island, um, like, they're pretty much on the outs already. Uh, Jin, Jin, well, Sun was ready to 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 pretty much leave her husband she wanted and i don't think she was just only leaving her husband in a way she was kind of leaving her father too because her father is one of you know like Jin is one of her father's hired hands right and uh and she and he's he's kind of working for her dad in that 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 sultry underbelly business that the dad kind of runs in korea where he's kind of like a like a mafioso type like yeah. he's a heavy right yeah yeah so i guess they could see that which almost seems a little naive on Sun's part. Like, you know your father. You know his resources and his reach. Like, you really think you're going to get away from that? But maybe that's maybe, maybe that's a, a, one, a view that doesn't have a lot of hope. Maybe where she is just maybe in the vein or like, I got to get away from this life. I got to get away from my dad. Yeah. But yeah, but we've already seen like the, the Sun and, and Pate relationship um, play out throughout seasons of the show. Or eventually she gains control of her dad's company and, and um, uh, she becomes one of the Oceanic Six. What, um, not to steer it in too much of a different direction. I kind of like what the season is setting up here because this is like, we've, we've spoken about season two in general, but it seems like they're still trying to play with certain, certain like the two-handed scenes between two actors that we see. So like there's, there's always these odd pairings. That I guess it seems like the show is still trying to set up because I think in later seasons... A lot of the pairings seem um, a little bit more like broken in, and there's like you know there's there's a lot more stuff there. This seems like the show is still playing with it, like oh, can we put you know um, Sun in a scene with Hurley? And even though that was just like a few seconds worth of a scene played for comedic effect, like seems like the show is trying to see which which uh, which actors they could put together and which ones could you know bounce off each other, which ones have more um, I guess chemistry. And, it, it, you know, not for nothing, because later on we find out when the, later when they leave the island uh, and they become a uh, part of the Oceanic Six, I think Hurley ends up going to see Jin's uh, memorial tomb oh, or yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah, it's like grave thing, yeah. yeah. In Korea. Like, so, like, um, I don't know how much they were setting up, but then, like, um, to see that and then to see some of this where they're not laying really any track or anything, but they did have some of these little fun scenes like, hey, son, do you want an Apollo bar or whatever? And, you know, that's always kind of interesting. I thought that was kind of fun to see. A lot of it, I think, is just them uh, exploring the way that, uh, like you said, the characters bounce off of each other because uh, what it feels like to me is uh, this season, and I'm guessing the first season as well, a lot of it is just about the interpersonal dynamics mm. of uh, just the individuals whereas like as we get later into it it's about the uh, the ideas and the bigger picture and it's not just about like how these people interact right yeah yeah definitely yeah i guess we get all this stuff now and then we can just see we could just see them kind of partnering up also too uh, this is a strange thing but i guess we can kind of take a look at it now in the maybe within the first 20 minutes and then somewhere in the first act there's like there's two references to water and i don't know i don't know if you guys made anything of that there's a scene in the initial scene where um where Locke is talking to Anna Lucia at her tent and he offers her some water and then maybe like a scene later Rose and Bernard offer son some water so i don't know if, if there is a 
there's like another theme in terms of water, or maybe I'm just reading too much into it and, and, and trekking into that that weird spiral that loss kind of drags you into of, of what's conspiracy and what's not. <laughs> what's but, a coincidence? Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if, if this, I guess it could be co- coincidental, right. but I was kind of looking at that like, oh, this is kind of, seems like they're setting up something maybe. Well, what what does water usually symbolize? Life, right? Okay, so uh, if it's a symbol of life, then it would play into the pregnancy angle. Okay, I see you lost. (laughs) I see. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I could roll with that. Yeah. There's a line that pops up tonight. says, why do you let him talk to you like that? Which is Anna Lucia's line, I think. Oh, no, no. It's it's, it's Henry Gale, Ben's line to... to, uh, to I think Jack and he's trying to stir trying to stir up some issues between them because at this point in the show a lot of their their relationship is very like it's on shaky ground and especially and like this is you know like this is what, 16th episode so a lot of these people are together but they're not together and we've already kind of talked about this in our previous episodes like are they friends are they not friends and they're just united by circumstance, so it seems. But there's a lot of trust issues that we see cropping up in this episode. When a lot of it, you can kind of track back to all these these characters with their 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 brokenness that they bring to the island, and then part of that is just not being able to trust. And that's a lot of them. And we kind of get that in a lot of these characters. And we kind of see that play out today with uh, with uh, Locke and then Jack and then also Anna Lucia. They're, nobody's telling anybody anything. They're all kind of just you know they're playing their own version of chess yeah manipulating each other and yeah all that stuff and even anna lucia says to saeed that jack and Locke are too busy worrying about Locke and jack <laughs> yeah because we talk a lot about the love quadrangle on the show but like then there's a weird love triangle between jack and Locke and maybe the island yeah yeah i could see that no yeah. well, it's it's about the leadership i think mm. is the thing because jack is uh sort of not not a de facto leader, right. but people just keep turning to him to lead them. And yeah. it's something that he resists apparently throughout the entire run of the show yeah. up until like the last season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Locke, because, you know, he's pursuing his destiny, he wants to be special. Uh, what, what's the easiest way to be special is to be in charge. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then the love quadrangle thing is that that's just about... There's sort of uh, um, that's the romantic entanglements, mm. but this is uh, uh, just a different, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, interpersonal conflict oh, yeah. where it's like uh, instead of uh, jockeying over Kate's affections, mm-hmm. uh, they're jockeying over, uh, you know, who's in charge. Right. Yeah. Uh, both of them, you know, who's the boss. Yeah. Have you guys ever gotten into any of those spats or there is an issue of who's in charge? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was uh, just out of high school, a uh, crew of guys that I used to run with, uh, you know, I, I, like, you guys have been my friends for years. Right. Like, you know what my personality is like. I'm generally kind of laid back, mm-hmm. but uh, if there's no direction, then I'll steer the ship. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, like, uh, because I'm that kind of person, I'm always willing to step back. Uh, and let someone else just be like, no, no, I'm, I'm the one who's going to decide what we're going to do. And uh, one of my buddies, you know, he was very much that kind of a person. And when another dude in the group uh, decided like, no, I want to be the guy who's in charge of what we're doing. And the two of them got into a lot of conflict over that. So 
it ended up where uh, I ended up sort of being in charge because it was just like I would be have to be the one choosing between which thing we're going to do. Oh, damn. Like, do I follow what Nainoa wants to do? Do I follow what Steve wants to do? Yeah, that, that, that I can see that. I can see that being uh, kind of an interesting position to be in, too. Yeah, that is that is a little tough, especially when you have like multiple alphas or people people that the kind of or that are alpha. trying to be alpha, yeah. <laughs> yeah, trying to be alpha. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. That, that's that a weird way of being in charge too. That isn't explicitly being in charge when then there's like two people that are always butting heads, mm-hmm. and you have to be the deciding vote. So you're mm-hmm. you're actually the one making the decisions for everything. Yeah, you're the uh, Ana Lucia. You're out yeah. to go find that balloon. Yeah, and I'm just letting the other two think that they're in charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I've had that. And like, um, like how you mentioned too. Like, yeah, we've kind of known each other for years too. So, yeah, I think yeah, my my personality is one that's a little bit more laid back. I think, but then yeah, um, in terms of leadership, I feel like I'm more of like a strong support. <laughs> like I'd, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like I'd be in support of. Like a view or two, but then, um, yeah, I, I notice I don't usually slot myself into a lot of leadership roles. Um, but then, um, it's not to say that that uh, it's not something that you that I can't do once it's thrust upon me. But then, usually, a lot of the time, it has to be thrust yeah. upon me. I don't know if I reach out <laughs> for that stuff. Yeah, I think that's usually where I land. Yeah, I'm pretty good, go with the flow most of the time. I try to try to make things work, so I don't have to necessarily be in charge. But sometimes, in trying to make things work. I end up making a lot more decisions and directing people to do stuff, and it's like, oh, I guess, I guess I'm in charge, but I didn't really <laughs> want to. You're only in charge because if you are, then the thing that everyone wants to happen isn't going to happen. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, well, I know how to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need those people. I mean, that they're important to like any kind of social group and and everything. And I, I think that's why we keep seeing it crop up in a lot of the stories that we watch. There's always. A lot of like uh, pop cultural things or things that just have a following or popular. Sometimes there's there, we get a chance to follow a character that's just burdened with with destiny or burdened with you know this kind of thing or burdened with leadership. And we see that in in certain ways with these two with uh, within Jack and Locke, and that keeps coming back and playing even to the even to the very last episode where it actually becomes a a physical expression where they're just like they're kind of just pounding each other out on like crumbling rocks <laughs> by the time this whole thing plays itself out to its conclusion which is exciting and fun yeah, yeah. but up until now we just kind of get like the uh the uh the foreplay i don't know what you could you call it like the the build-up of like i'm the leader yeah. no i'm the leader no i'm the leader but i don't know if even that's true because like at that point where they're fighting it's not really john Locke that that jack is fighting yeah yeah, this is the foreplay part here in the earlier <laughs> season so they can pound it out later later on <laughs> mm-hmm. in the finale uh, which in is the climax yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it's really interesting because Locke is obviously you know trying to be the leader and uh jack is just like yeah but this is how we should do it yeah. and people are like oh jack what do you think we should do he's like i don't know i don't, don't want to be the leader <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah i don't know to me this is just my opinion it just comes down to maybe like uh, communication man like you don't have to it doesn't have to be a leadership uh thing at all turns it can just be a matter of communication which which is a way that you could show strong leadership mm-hmm. you know find um, out the, what everyone wants to do and what's gonna be best for everybody yeah, yeah. 
that's a that's a tough role to be slotted in as leader mm-hmm. because like the idea is like you know like um you're gonna have to make those decisions regardless and uh, no matter what decisions you make not everybody's gonna be on board there's yeah. gonna be some people that aren't and that, that's just something that you have to like be okay with in that leadership role and um yeah you see a lot of the characters that we're familiar with on the show they're just yeah they're they're kind of fine with taking whatever you know they're, they're whatever they need to to kind of take to to move forward or to move on to the next step because um i noticed that a lot of the ones that we see in these leadership roles whether it be jack or Locke or even ben um when we see him in his leadership role a lot of it is just uh, it's just a lot of them they're just constantly making moves and there's it's not too much agonizing over like thoughts or plans they're just like we have a plan all right let's come up with a plan this is the plan let's it's the best plan we got let's put our best foot forward you know, and fuck up some shit. And yeah, it's not like yeah. asking a group of your friends, all right, so uh, what kind of pizza are we doing? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Because that can be agonizing. Yeah. All right. I I remember once somebody said that we're going to Subway, and they said, oh, can you put in an order? I was like, yeah, can I get, like, this? Like, you know, just give me everything. No onions, and then, like, some mayo. The person's eyes started to glaze over. Like, <laughs> yeah, like why you is, write those down. Yeah, why is this so complicated? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the perfect yeah. solution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After a while, they're just all like, why can't you just get a regular sandwich with yeah. all the things? My uh, personal technique, uh, especially when it comes to pizza, is I don't ask anyone what they want. <laughs> I, I just order half pepperoni and half cheese. Yeah, Because the thing is, those might not be people's favorite toppings. They might be, but most people have like a certain thing that they like a lot but the thing is no one dislikes just plain pepperoni or just plain cheese that's true if they do dislike just plain pepperoni chances are they're like a vegetarian or something so that's why you have the cheese there yeah and if they're just like oh but i i I don't want uh, cheese then it's like well you probably don't actually like pizza (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i feel like a plain cheese pizza is like a waste of a pizza You could have put so many things on there, and you just chose cheese. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great! The cheese is like, oh, I don't know. That's like that's what that's what I remember craving as a kid. And then when I got older, I was like, all right, I think I think my palate's good where I can like deal with all these other things. Um, yeah, it's like I I like a lot of different things on pizza, but it's just like, all right, this is the uh, least amount of complaining that we're gonna get. Because <laughs> if I order like. All meats and all veggies, and people are going to be like, oh, I don't like onions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you know, I, I wish that this didn't have ham on it. Ham disgusts me. Like, <laughs> Fuck you. All right? You get pepperoni or cheese or no pizza. Yeah, yeah. Those are your three choices. You're like, well, I, I, can we still do the ham? No, we can't do the ham. We're not doing ham. We're doing cheese and pepperoni. Yeah. That's it. That's what you get. Uh, I would totally back you up. I'll be your strong second on that chat. <laughs> like, everybody needs a Goebbels. So that's a bad. That's a bad. That's a bad way to put that out there. But <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> like, oh, did that podcast just say like everybody needs a Goebbels? Jesus Christ! It's like I, I think that we can come up with a better second in command. <laughs> fucking Goebbels. <laughs> It's funny that my mind went straight to Goebbels. I was like, who's a good second in command? Uh, Goebbels? Yeah. No, no. Um, uh, Dale, out of Chippendale. I'd, uh. I'd be the Dale to your Chippendale. I just wear my Aloha shirts. <laughs> <laughs> was Dale really like a supportive second in command, though? I always felt like he was kind of jockeying with Chip. Oh, maybe he was. Yeah, yeah, they were brothers. That seems like that would make more sense. Yeah, I feel like it went back and forth between either him wanting to be in charge or being like the laziest guy in the show. Uh, 
Okay, I got it. I got it. You'd be Chip, and I'd be the guy that likes cheddar and then freaks out. Oh, Monterey Jack. Monterey Jack. (laughs) Fuck, I forgot his name until just now. (laughs) Like, I I would have your back until cheddar entered the room. (laughs) Then you'd be on your own. All right. Have I ever told you guys, I don't think I've ever seen The Rescuers, the the movie, but I've seen The Rescuers Down Under probably 20 times. Holy shit. How does that, how did that go? I, I think we ended up having a copy of it on VHS at some point, but even before that, like, Whenever anyone would watch it, it would just be the rescuers down under. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I have no idea what the rescuers is about. And also, I don't remember what the rescuers down under was about, but I think they were rescuing a human child. I think so. I don't honestly remember. Kind of. I kind of don't remember. I have. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. But you've you've watched this a bunch of times in your childhood. Yeah. Damn. That's like me in Gremlins 2. Like, I've always seen Gremlins 2, but I've never seen Gremlins. So I don't know what the fuck that is. And then I just, at this stage in my life, I'm just happy with just knowing Gremlins yeah. 2. I was like, yeah, that's the one where they're all like in a TV studio, right? And they all start changing because yeah. of like some scientific whatever. I but think I, I've watched Caddyshack 2, but not Caddyshack. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, reach out. What is a sequel that you've seen that you've never seen the original yeah. to? Let us know with hashtag of uh, no prequels. <laughs> I think it's fairly common where people end up seeing a sequel more often than the original. Yeah. Uh, depending on what it is. Because like, uh, I feel like most people that when they think about Weekend at Bernie's, yeah. they're actually remembering things from Weekend at Bernie's too. <laughs> Holy shit, those movies are so similar. Like, I swear to God, the timeline between yeah. the two movies is like one movie takes place directly after the first yeah, one finished, I, right? It has I to think be it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dead body. So they have a limited long. amount of time. <laughs> like three years later, like, this guy's not decomposing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's still hanging out with these shades. <laughs> There, it, it was uh, Weekend at Bernie's 2, I think I remember seeing. I don't remember seeing Weekend at Bernie's. Gremlins 2. And then, um, this is this is a weird one, but I've only seen Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> I've, I haven't really? seen. I, I, know, I know a little. I know that there's demon dogs and people get transformed in that one. And, um, no Dana, only Zool. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I only, I only know. Um, what is the bad guy in the second one? Vigo. Vigo. Yes, Vigo. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I only know that movie. I only know them from like performing at birthday parties and Bobby Brown being a part of it somehow <laughs> for like a hot second as the doorman. But I don't know what happens in the first Ghostbusters. <laughs> There's a lot of movies like that, though, where you, you it sort of permeated pop culture enough yeah. where you don't actually have to have seen the movie, but you know everything about it. Yeah. I remember being afraid of Ghostbusters one. Like I never like I, I remember I just thought two was the first one. And then I just heard that there was one later and then I remember being afraid of it. Like, no, those dogs are scary. Yeah, were were you afraid dogs. of ghosts? I as a kid I think I was, but you know what was weird? Growing up in my house, like my parents were very like pro horror so they would always be like we'd, we'd watch a lot of horror as kids and, and like it was all like r-rated slasher stuff wow. like freddie jason michael myers and we'd watch a lot of that stuff when i was a kid and i think it just fucked me up when i was a kid and now that i'm an adult I'm like yeah that's <laughs> that seems like standard fare <laughs> or whatever <laughs> like whenever somebody tells me like i don't like watching scary stuff then that's it's always a hard in for me i'm like uh, all right 
I like watching scary stuff. I don't like most horror movies. Yeah. Because uh, most of them are slasher flicks, so they're all just jump scares. Yeah. Like, atmospheric horror, I'm super into. Uh Oh, my God. Me too. Like, oh, she's like, this isn't horror, but then this is something I remember. I remember we had a... You remember, like, back in the... I want to say this is, like, the late 80s, early 90s. There's a lot of book and cassette tapes for Mm -hmm. kids. Right. So, I remember we had, like, this stack of, like... uh, I think ewok books or something nice. like that and then like um there was like ewok books on tape and then i remember it was like f- it was like the books were focusing on the plot of like the ewok movie mm-hmm. so i remember mm-hmm. in the in the book on tape in one of these books there was like a I don't know if you guys remember the Ewok movie. Like the the villain was like a woman dressed in black or something yeah, like I think that. Just some sort of a witch. Right, yeah. right. And I remember every time in the book, the audio book, they would have the the narrator narrating, but they would also put in like strange audio cues. Like they would put in like haunting music and like yeah. uh, and like and menacing music. So they would play this really fucked up like violin string music whenever <laughs> they were they're reading for the witch in the book. And, like, they had pictures of all the Ewoks, and they had a picture of uh, that fast-running thing, and they had a picture of the witch. And I remember every time the witch came on, I would cry, and my mom would turn off the book. And I was like, but I remember it happening, I remember it happening on multiple occasions. Like, why, why am I still, why is my mom still letting us listen to this book on tape? The one that constantly makes you cry. <laughs> my mom was all like, excuse me, kids, I gotta go watch some real horror. You guys listen to the Ewoks. Well, we'll step you up into this at some point. I remember we used to have friends that used to sleep over our house and my parents are so hardcore that we would just be watching Freddy Krueger over like pizza dinner. And then like uh, my friends always, we would have like a coffee table that was between like uh, us and the TV and then you could sit on one end of the coffee table and eat and do whatever. And then I remember um, all the kids that used to sleep over never wanted to sit on the part of the coffee table that was closer to the TV because that's where (laughs) Freddy Krueger was. So I'd be like, yeah, I'd sit over here. It's like, this is just a movie. And then, like, I'd put on my brave face. But deep down, I'm like, I hope Freddy Krueger doesn't reach out to the screen. Because <laughs> this is going to be terrible. And it, it's it's not going to be good for my house guests to watch me get sucked into the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Poltergeist that, that's, style. That's being a bad host. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's like, it was it was a fun sleepover until AJ got sucked into <laughs> that Freddy Krueger movie. And then yeah. lost his life. And then we didn't know, like, where the classes were to get milk. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our kitchen. We don't know where that stuff is. Uh, it's just it's just children left alone in my house without me or my family there going, Hello? Hello? Can I have some milk, please? <laughs> where do you keep your milk? I'll find it. I'll find it. <laughs> I'm six. <laughs> All right. So we're learning in this episode that, that Sun had... Well, we've already known this. That Sun had had an affair. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. this caused some of the drama on the island where for a while she didn't know if it was Jin's baby or not. And then later she comes to find out that she's conceived on the island, so it's Jin's. But who is this guy? <laughs> who is this guy? This guy that's teaching her English. Yeah. Like, is he just, is he, was he the English teacher before? Or did they meet and have this, this. Know, he also thing? says he's the, the son of the hotel owner. Oh. I and the general that. manager of the hotel. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Maybe it's a hotel that Sun's dad regularly does business in. Oh, okay. Mm. Or maybe uh, the father who owns the hotel uh, owes uh, Mr. Paik a lot of money. Oh, okay. Uh. That that would make sense if dad explained it. Like, This is odd because apparently we, this is a world where everybody knows who Mr. Paik is, including uh, Sun and Jin's doctor. Like, The doctor seems to have more like... Uh, 
I don't know what the word is, fear, I guess, fear of, of this guy and, and what he can do versus this guy who's having an affair with his married daughter. Like, you don't think that Mr. Pick is going to come back for you or you know, something along yeah. those lines. Well, I don't think he did, but that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of left ambiguous, right? The yeah. last time we seen this guy, he was dead. Like, he got thrown out of a window. Or did he jump? I don't even know if it was a suicide or if it was like it was a murder. I'm assuming it was a murder. They left it kind of vague. Yeah, well, I mean, Jin went up there by himself and, and beat him up and like threw him through a glass coffee table and stuff. And then got in his car and left and, and told him, you know, leave the country or whatever. Right. And then by the time he got to his car, the guy was falling out the window. So it, either he killed himself or Jin threw him, I think, maybe up into the air so that <laughs> he had enough time to run down the stairs to get into his car. And by the time his uh, the body hit his car, it was like an alibi kind of thing. Maybe there was someone else that Mr. Pig sent after the guy. Ah. Oh, man. And then it was just like, ah, oh, Jin didn't have the balls to do it. <laughs> oh, right. my God. Guess I got to clean up. Yeah. Sound okay. like a cleaner. This is wildly tangential. <laughs> Ta- tangential? There you go. It's wildly tangential, but I'll go here. There is, um, I-, I just happened to be reading about, there's this uh, gang... There's a gang called the Sparrows, and they exist in the <laughs> Philippines, right? And the gang is, um, they're assassins for hire, essentially. But it's, it's, it's so crazy, because like, um, these people pull off really wicked fast hits. But um, the way that their hits are set up, according to people that were like, researching this, this group of assassins in the Philippines, there's, like, um, like, uh, there's two people that come, the two assassins mm. that are, you know, they have a target... And they come with uh, with one gun and a single bullet in each gun, so they have to be accurate. They can't miss. So, like, if if it just so happens that then if the first guy misses with his one bullet, then the second guy will catch him. If both of them miss, there's like a third guy that's like supervising the whole thing, that's watching all of this go down. And if the two of them miss, then the third guy will come in and and the third guy will kill the the target, but he'll also kill the two guys that missed. Oh. So like you have like an impetus to like not yeah. miss and be And that super... guy only has three bullets. So. <laughs> <laughs> His supervisor has four. What hap- what happens if one of them misses? Does the suit does the supervisor, the third man, uh kill uh the one that missed? I don't but, know. Like, the other one leave? That's left? a good question. <laughs> That's a really good question. I would assume like I would assume that you would you'd get off, but that you would get like a talking to afterwards. Like, <laughs> hey, you know, you missed that one, right? All right, don't let that happen again. And then you like... just feel like you're not living up to your potential. <laughs> <laughs> you just like you're just sitting at home, like quietly in a chair, going like, I can do this. I can be a sparrow. I can be a sparrow. Be <laughs> the bullet. Be the bullet you want to see in others. <laughs> <laughs> Man, one bullet though—that—that's tough. I know. Like, um, I don't understand what the what the reasoning is. Like, if you get busted by the cops, you're like, "Well, he didn't have any bullets. Like, he had a gun, but it was mostly for just for gun butting people in the face yeah. or whatever." Uh, I think there's like a lot of people sitting in jail in the Philippines. They're just like, "He just, yeah, we picked him up. He just, he didn't have any bullets, but he did have this one gun." But yeah, getting back to the episode, Saturday. <laughs> So I think what we're coming to find out is that the hotel manager's son was thrown out of the window by one of the uh, the sparrows. <laughs> by Jin's supervisor. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what happens if you if you miss with your one bullet. If you can still kill the guy before your supervisor comes yeah. to kill you, then you get a pass. Yeah, like why why isn't anybody like carrying any any straight razors or blades on them? I don't know. <laughs> 
This got dark. It just got really dark. But we are talking about assassins. It's not what Jin is. Or is he? I know he's a fixer. Is he just the, the tune him up guy? Because it seems like he's doing a lot of tuning up in this episode, too. He's, he's got a lot of violent outbursts in this episode. Yeah, I don't think that he's supposed to be like an assassin. I think he, he just uh, rolls in, punches dudes, and leaves. See, that's not a bad gig. It's it's yeah. terrible, but then those guys are still alive, which is something. Yeah, that's what Batman does. <laughs> and the thing is, like, generally, like, when it comes to, like, oh, you owe the boss money, like, you want them to be alive because live people can pay their oh, debt. Yeah. Right, right. If you kill them, you're just like, well, I guess we're writing this off. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> just like, I'm sorry, we can't. Yeah, I guess I guess we were just taking the loss on this one. That, that guy could have paid us back, but we send, decided to end him to send a message to who? To everybody that's still kind of... <laughs> that's got to like set a weird precedent, right? Like, well, he didn't kill us. So. Like, um, I don't want that getting out. Don't tell anybody I didn't kill you. You still owe me money now, remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, remember, I killed someone last week. <laughs> Perfectly capable of doing it again. Like, do you see the name on the door? Peak Industries? That's me. You see how big that P is? <laughs> you think they just give anybody in the uh, in this business a giant P on their outside door? <laughs> I'm Mr. Pig. I'm Mr. Pig. <laughs> I'm the one who pigs. <laughs> uh, all right, so the episode is entitled The Whole Truth. And uh, we get the we get the episode line coming out of Jack's mouth, and partially through where he tells uh, Son that she should, you know, want to tell Jin the whole truth about what's been going on, and uh, she has a decision to make, and she doesn't. Uh, by the end of this episode, she's she still hasn't told Jin everything. Mm-hmm. What do we make of that? Um, that everyone on the show lies and hides the truth from yeah. each other. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that Son does all the time. Oh yeah. That's that's the majority of her arc is lying to her husband. Oh yeah, and it doesn't even start in the marriage. It it starts like what well, we've already seen. It starts in her childhood. Like she lied to her father about breaking that glass ballerina. Yeah, and they end up firing the the maid for it. And Jin just cool with it. Like she's cool with the the maid getting fired. I think we're coming to find out that that son is a. Uh, a grade A sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe she wasn't lying when she said she's never been with another man. Oh. And that uh, they never did it. <laughs> Wait, but weren't they like naked in that other episode? Yeah, you can be naked with someone without doing it. Learning English, Chad. Yeah. They were naked learning English. They were trying to get their English on. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that scene in Billy Madison where his teacher slash girlfriend was quizzing him on stuff? <laughs> And every time he got a question right, she took a piece of clothing off. I do not remember this scene. No. <laughs> I remember this scene so well. Yeah. But, yeah. It's basically I, that. <laughs> learning English. Yeah, I think um, what we didn't see was that he had, like, um, he had more more affects to his, to his person. He had, like, a fake eye patch and a wig <laughs> and then a top hat. <laughs> no, those things slowly kept coming off. And he's like, you're pretty good at English. I don't have to wear the top hat anymore, right? <laughs> Well, but we're assuming that she's lying, right? Yeah. And she did sleep with that dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, because also there's that thing later on when they had to figure out where the baby was conceived because she admits to cheating on him. So, yeah. yeah. I guess she's lying this time. I, I'm kind of glad that they did hold back on it this episode where um, she still holds on to that because this gives us a an awesome scene between her and Jin later on where 
um, she does admit to the cheating and to cheating on Jin and, and all this all this stuff. But uh, I think this, the way it plays out is I think she tells him on island. Of course, she tells him on island. And then Jin kind of says, I forgive you. Um, the man that you cheated on, I'm no longer that. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so like he, he kind of, he, he has this arc where he starts to become a more loving husband. And, and a lot of it kind of revolves around the fact that, that they've, that they that they have this child to look for or look out for now, but it feels odd because the show doesn't really handle that well. By the time the series is over, because they both die in that submarine, uh, nobody's there to raise that baby except for like maybe son's grand son's mother, and so that mother is like so like oh, nobody's yeah. raising that kid. And that kid's dead. not in the church. Where's that kid? At the end, <laughs> kid wasn't important to them. Yeah. Ah, oh, okay, okay. That, that that's that'll be fine. Where are you at, Ji Yoon? <laughs> Ji Yoon, holler at your parents. They're waiting for you in a church somewhere. Ji Yoon, it. Oh, and I guess that gets kind of brought up too, right? The naming thing, because Jin says that he wanted to give the baby like the the first character of his father's name, and then like she wanted to give the baby um her mom's name. I wonder if that's what the amalgam is, like Ji Yoon, the yeah, G is like the dead, yeah. Because, like, she was, yeah. Yeah, like, his dad's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what his dad's name is. They they didn't go this route. But if they if they had where it turned out that Jin wasn't the father, that would have been some fun thematic shit. Because Jin himself was raised by someone that wasn't his father. Yeah. So mm-hmm. imagine Jin taking on the responsibility of raising someone else's kid. Full circle for this episode, which is kind of fun to see. But then, like, um, the show is usually good for playing with stuff. But I guess um, they gave us more of the, the happier ending where it was Jin's baby, which which made the show, you know, I think it gave more teeth to all the stuff that happens later. Because once you throw in a kid and, like, you know, everything is for the kid. That's yeah. so what we see where I guess that motivates her to go back to the island with everybody else. I think her love for Jin motivates her more than the love for the child. Because I think she cared about her daughter more. She would have stayed off island. That is true. Instead of just kind of abandoning her to go back and find Jin. That is a good point. Mm-hmm. That is a good point. That, that that is a that is an interesting question that they they tossed out and then like they carried forward, and then that is something that is a real struggle of the heart. It seems like and, like how would like how would one react if you had the chance to go and save your your lost love or to stick with your found love that you that you have with you now, which is you know what you have in your child. Um, yeah, that is that is a tough one. Uh, also makes for good drama on the show, yeah. I guess. But I don't know if I'm if I'm looking at that with too much of a meta lens. Well, I think we see that all the characters kind of have issues with their parents, and then you see them as parents, and they don't do a great job of taking care of their kids. Yeah, like leave a video or something. Yeah. Tony Stark, that shit. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, they they're both gone. They both die on that island. And what does the child know about this? Does he know that? Does she know that both of her parents died on a mysterious island in a submarine? Probably not. <laughs> Just that mommy left one day and never came back. Yeah. She left with like her, her awesome friend that opened up like a chicken franchise <laughs> or something, you know? And just she just sees pictures of her mom and Hurley and like I don't yeah, she left with this guy and we don't know whatever happened to yeah. them. They've never come back. Yeah, so of the Oceanic Six, who makes it off the island at the end? Just Kate? Of the I think six. that's it. Saeed dies. Saeed dies. Jack dies. Sun Jin dies. Sun, Sun dies. Yeah, Sun dies. Uh, yeah, I guess it was just Kate, huh? Yeah. Oh, snap. So, do you think when she got back, everyone was like, oh, we see that See that you went on a, a plane with the rest of the Oceanic Six, <laughs> and they're all dead. 
And we know that, you know, you murder people. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, uh, so what happened, Miss Austin? <laughs> Think she had to go through another trial? <laughs> She's like, oh, God, these trials, they just keep piling up. I, all right. No, I didn't kill them. Even if uh, she was found innocent for that, I kind of feel like she wasn't allowed to fly anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was on the no-fly list. Like, what are we doing here? Miss Austin, Miss Austin, no. We understand what happens when you fly. People die, it's a thing. It's like, you have to take cruise ships from now on. <laughs> uh, it's like, I'm sorry, you need to, yeah, um, you need to create a new form of travel. Have you thought about inventing teleportation? I don't know if you could. You're, you're some ex-con lady. <laughs> uh, in, in this episode, we find out from Anna Lucia when she's talking to Ben... Or Henry, whatever, that uh, she's from the tail section of the plane, and they crashed on the other side of the island. So I wanted to ask you, Chad, who do you think was also on the tail section of the plane? Uh, apparently, Shannon was. Mm. Oh, interesting. Because that's uh, who uh, Saeed should hate and Lucia for killing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other characters. That I would know that mm. came from the tail section. Because I kind of feel like everyone who I've gotten to know as part of the show have been either uh, they were part of the original group or they were others. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 All right. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we, can't, we, can't, we can't comment on it too much. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know there was that one other who was pretending to be a part of the tail section. Yeah. Goodwin. Yeah. What was his last name? It doesn't really scan for now. Skrblotsky. <laughs> Goodwin Skrblotsky. That sounds like the best or the worst porno name <laughs> that one could have. Like, it's me, Goodwin Skrblotsky. <laughs> Just give it to... Yeah, all right. Uh, the uh, only other thing that I wrote notes for that hasn't been mentioned is uh, endometriosis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, because that's what they say that that's what the doctor told Jin and Son that Son had, and that's what caused the scarring, so she would never get pregnant. Uh, I'm a dude, right. which means that uh, my knowledge of female anatomy is, generally speaking, not great. Mm -hmm. I also went to public school, and want to put that <laughs> out there. Uh, the only thing I know about endometriosis is it usually causes uh, much more painful uh, cramps. Uh. Uh, I have no idea whether or not uh, scarring is part of that or if it's just they picked a word that had to do with uh, female anatomy. Yeah. It, it feels like they did some research and they're like, what could cause women not to be pregnant? We'll go with that. But yeah, I think... Um, I don't have any research, but I, I think like the <laughs> endometriosis is like a thickening of the uterine line, lined walls, but then the thicker it gets, the more chance you have for like... Uh, cancer cells to develop mm. and then also it's it's a hostile environment for hosting a baby so um i don't know so it seems like somebody knew something yeah. about that and they just threw it, it seems in. like there was a woman in the writer's room <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah which yeah. is which is fantastic I, I i'm i love that that we get that stuff and we have a lot of that happening yeah. on the show yeah so yeah seems seems yeah. definitely that i like to think that that was just the doctor like He's holding the test results to say, this man who could kill me is sterile, and I don't want to say that, so I'm going to make something up. <laughs> yeah, that seems... Okay, 
let's see if we can go in this direction. It seems almost cultural too, right? Because if you told a man in America that he was sterile, he, I don't know what the reaction would be. Oh, well, I guess you have to take into account the man. Like if he was like a mafioso, like if he worked for the Italian mob out of New York or something like, yeah. I would if wanna... he works in the uh, traditionally hyper-masculine job. Mm, yeah. Telling yeah. him like, oh yeah, it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. yeah your balls, balls aren't good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to go find yourself a magical island where I can like yeah. reproduce your sperm <laughs> by a whole lot. If you were a real man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I guess that plays, yeah, maybe it's beyond cultural. Maybe it's just a human thing too, because like, uh, even with the idea of, of culture put into the mix, like uh, it's just it's just a human thing, right? Men, it's like a lot of heterosexual men want to feel masculine, feel like they're able to sire a child. Otherwise, you feel unable. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I think that if you tell a dude like, yeah, you know, your balls are broken. Yeah. They're gonna feel like less of a dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I, I mean, I could see that. I'm sure that there are a subsection of guys. Where if you tell them, hey, uh, so you're sterile. I mean, you can fuck as much as you want, but you'll never get anyone pregnant. <laughs> they would just be like, woohoo. <laughs> you would just see like a dust cloud of where that person was. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then like uh, just uh, more dust running yeah. towards like the just nearest a club. a hole in the wall and the outline of them <laughs> running sideways. It's like, where is that guy going so fast? <laughs> He's going to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Like when somebody just like when, when somebody hears the news, like it's just multiple dust clouds around the island or where, where, where we live, and you just are like, oh, is that another fuck cloud? <laughs> somebody just got some good news from their doctor, I guess. <laughs> Depending on how you look at it, like I, I wonder, because <laughs> like at some level, and this is whatever, but like at some level, they're they're like in their older age when they've like uh, when they've sowed all those oats and uh, maturity is settled upon them and, and and all that stuff they're just like damn i wish, wish I, my balls worked wish my <laughs> balls work yeah I don't, I don't have anybody to pass on all my awesome sex positions yeah. onto like i was gonna teach my son everything uh-huh. like this is this is this is how you, this is everything son which would make it awkward for him but he would know he would know how to fuck <laughs> <laughs> I, I think some people that would definitely happen to but there are other people where they're just like yeah nope never want kids yeah yeah, yeah and that's fine too I mean, like, it's not in my place to say what's fine and what's not. But then, yeah, I, I can get on board with that. I, yeah. yeah, I feel like the more people that don't want kids, the better, honestly. Yeah, you know, that's like that seems to be like a like more of a regular viewpoint that our generation is taking, and that's that seems to go hand in hand with with our society and like uh, our environment too. Like, you know, you want to have kids, you want to be hopeful about the future, and I don't know if our generation has a lot to hope for with all this bullshit that we see going on. Mm-hmm. In our regular daily life, politics, and environment. environment. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I want to bring a kid in here and he's just going to be like dying when it comes to like, you know, June of 2040, whatever. It's uh, like, shit, I'll probably still be alive then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't want to be alive then, much less have another life yeah. that I'm yeah. in charge of. Yeah. Yeah, after the apocalypse, you don't want to have to be dragging some kid along with you like that, <laughs> the road. Unless you're like, some good ass samurai or something. Yeah, yeah. Lone Wolf and Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is this? Is the last of us? We can't do this. Like, we can't bring another life into this world. Oh. Yeah. So it's time to start wrapping up the Easter egg corner. The first time we see Locke in this episode, when Anna Lucia walks up to him, he's eating a banana. Oh, shit. Which is not a very juicy fruit, but he's really going at it. Oh, uh, Locke also listens to Geronimo Jackson in the, in the hatch. 
Hurley's eating an Apollo bar in secret in the woods in shame. Oh, the pregnancy test that Sun uses is from Widmore Labs. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. I saw that. And when she's, uh, she, she's accosted by her doctor to get into his car, that's at the back of the Hawaii Convention Center. Oh, okay. That they use for the airport. Mm-hmm. Right across yeah. the, uh, uh, the Alawai. Alawai from that. Yeah, yeah. That was a really interesting scene because a lot of scenes that they shoot, like, uh, you have people just walking around, right. like normal people. Yeah. This was one where, like, you could see out of focus across the street, there's just a big crowd that's like, oh, they're filming something. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Like yeah. you just see a bunch of looky loose. <laughs> yeah, they're all like they're all like uh, not not in not in uh, what you call it. They're not in frame, or they're in frame, but they're just like blurred out or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not in focus. Yeah, yeah. Th- this yeah. was one of the first times that I noticed that. Actually, yeah. most of the time they they've been real good about having all the extras act like people. Yeah. Not- people watching something yeah i could have swore i saw like a, a green garbage truck too and i was like I'm familiar with what those look like here <laughs> uh, i don't know if this could be con- yeah this is considered like um easter egg too there's a book that sawyer's reading um it's a book by judy bloom and I forget the title but... are you there god it's me margaret yeah oh. How, are you familiar with this book no this is like a young adult or a ya book for like for for young ones but essentially it's about a sixth grade girl who um who grows up in in a in a household that doesn't have any religion essentially i guess her parents were of like it's like an interfaith marriage like one of them is christian the other one is is another religion and then like they just grow they just they raise the the girl in the house with no religion so the i guess the book is how this girl's viewpoint on life is thrown out but then we can always depend on loss for some of these literary references that kind of touch on faith and I, science all that stuff i always thought that book was about periods am i thinking it was it's in different? there oh, okay yeah like she she learns how to be a woman she gets her period for the first time in the book and they kind of explain that her liking boys all that stuff okay yeah but not enough sex for sawyer yeah <laughs> which is kind of creepy yeah that's that, weird. i mean that that's good if it's about a sixth grader yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird that that's what he's thinking about the whole time he's reading the books like where's when, when's the sex gonna happen yeah that that tells me that the character of sawyer has been fucking for a while <laughs> mm-hmm. he's like sixth grade man get started already <laughs> <laughs> late bloomer <laughs> yeah all right oh man all right, so uh, what have uh, you guys been getting lost in recently? Well, I, I've been uh, I've been getting lost in a podcast called A Funny Feeling with uh, these two comedians, uh, Betsy Sodaro and uh, oh, Marcy Giroux. Oh shit, I love Betsy yeah. Sodaro. Um, she's part of UCB, right? Yeah, they're both yeah. UCB people. I uh, she has such a yeah. unique voice. Yeah, like it's very raspy, sort of. Yeah, she's she's great. Yeah, she's awesome. But it's uh, they get they get other comedians on. And they share their their stories of the paranormal and stuff, like when they've seen ghosts and aliens. Oh and stuff. shit! Yeah. I'm so into that. I gotta. I'm gonna listen to that. I'm gonna listen to that podcast. Okay. Yeah, check that one out. Also, they have the best sign offs for the the end of their show because they say, they say uh, "I'm Betsy Sidaro and I'm Marcy Jiro, and don't shit your pants." <laughs> <laughs> that's a sign off on every episode. Yeah, oh, that's it's a good sign off. That's fantastic. I've been getting lost in um. Uh, something that I shared with you guys earlier tonight. There's a show on Netflix that's fucking <laughs> boiling my brain because it's I, I just love it. Uh, it's it's called I think you should leave with uh, Tim Robbins, who was previously like a cast or uh, a sketch writer on on SNL, and uh, he's put together this short show. But it's like 
It's short. It's like maybe six episodes, but oh my god. Uh, I watched it with my wife, and we were both dying laughing. There's a lot of good sketches in there. So if you're in the mood to laugh, or if, you, if you're into mood, that kind of comedy, yeah, that's it's good sketch stuff. It's fantastic. I uh, just got back from a vacation in Las Vegas where I went up to watch uh, AEW All Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing, their inaugural mm. pay-per-view event. Uh, in addition to uh, attending that event up there, I was also attending StarCast, which is a convention featuring a bunch of different wrestling personalities. I got to meet uh, Sting, Kenta Kobashi, Taz, a lot of cool, cool wrestlers, watched some wrestling documentaries, listened to some panels, and got to watch some amazing wrestling. Uh, AEW, if uh, you guys... Uh, have never heard of it, but you uh, have been interested in wrestling at all is something that you should definitely be on the lookout for. Uh, they will have a television show on TNT mm. starting this fall. Uh, they are doing a lot of really good things in wrestling. Uh, there is some pushback against how socially progressive they are they have a transgender wrestler uh there's another uh, openly gay wrestler that works for them they have a partnership with uh, this company called culture city uh to make uh make events more friendly for people that have like uh, sensory issues or autism mm. and uh, they're doing just a lot of really amazing things and on top of that it's good fucking wrestling <laughs> nice Who's uh, your favorite AEW wrestler? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Who's your favorite to meet, too? I didn't get to meet most of the AEW guys because I cheaped out on most of the meet and greets. Mm. I didn't want to pay that much money. <laughs> I feel you. Uh, my favorite guy that works for AEW, he's one of the executive vice presidents. So he's like part of creative as well as being an active wrestler is Cody Rhodes. Uh, or actually, as he's known, is just Cody because WWE has the rights to his name, Cody Rhodes. Huh. Uh, you may or may not be familiar with his father, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, he is a major part of the show, and uh, I thought that he had the best match at the event. Nice. Okay. Check that out. Sweet. So, yeah. So, the the AEW. Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. damn. All, All right. Elite Wrestling. Nice. Nice. All right, All that right. that uh, brings us to the close of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, look us up. Uh, what Bro Pod? Yeah, on yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And before we close that, um, one last section that we can do is next week's episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So we'll do our title. So the title of next week's episode is entitled Maternity Leave. Mm. Mm, that's weird that we have a maternity <laughs> right? leave episode. Uh, and then right afterwards, we have an episode about pregnancy yeah well, we get maternity leave and then we get this one whole true so we're going to be doing a lot of baby stuff this season yeah yeah uh, i guess it's a claire episode oh, okay okay because i mean who else has babies yeah mm-hmm. yeah who else would be on maternity leave all right uh, well that draws mm-hmm. us in for a close and thank you everybody for listening to what bro pod and um yeah check us out on all our various social media everythings yeah. we, we around we be around y'all yeah, talk to us about anything at all. Yeah, yeah. Hit us with anything. Throw up a tag. Communicate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, so. ju- we just want to know you're there, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> we really do. Yeah, send us a message. Even if it's a... Uh, Are please. you there, fans? It's me, Wago. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's another episode in the can. You know what to do. Get lost.